0: So you won't believe how I met today's guest. I called Geico to request some paperwork and the customer service agent that helped me was Edward. We somehow started to talk about investing and the fire movement and talked on the Geico customer service line for an hour. So for this interview, we originally intended to discuss the fire movement and how he made a plan to retire at 40, but you'll immediately find out that there's so much more to Edward's story. Edward experienced extreme difficulties and traumas early on. he did not let those things stop him from living a full and hopeful life. His positivity and can-do attitude is so infectious. Edward is an author, investor, entrepreneur, husband, and father. I'm so excited for you to hear his story and hope it gives you a little bit of hope that all is not lost even in the darkest of times.
1: There's absolutely no way you can appreciate light without appreciating darkness. I'm Edward L. Fairley. Um Mm. I'm originally from New Jersey.
2: Mm.
1: Uh born in born in Patterson, raised in Jersey City. Um But uh, when I was about six or seven, it mm-hmm. actually happens to be the year that my father was getting out of prison mm-hmm. for trying to kill my mother. Oh my god!
0: Okay, so, so we got we got back. <laughs> so
1: I mean, you ask where I'm from? I know.
0: <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think it was like jumping right away that, like
1: that. That's how, that's how I ended up. Where I am. This is how wow. it, this is how it starts. I can't get to Virginia yeah. until I get from New Jersey. You're gonna ask right. how I got here.
0: Right. So okay, <laughs> so let's talk about that.
1: Um that's in not, I mean, that's not current. So what you what you saw, that is current, but mm. this is literally this is still the past. Yeah. So even when I speak about that, I'm still not talking about my current father situation, which is what you took, what you think you were I'm I'm headed to. That's not the same thing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: okay. So was your father living with you at the time with your, you and your mom? No. So they okay, were so, separated.
1: Yeah. So th- that's what I was saying when, uh, when I, uh, around six or seven, mm-hmm. uh, I was in New Jersey, but I ended up getting moved to Haiti because mm-hmm. when I turned six or seven, that happened to be the year that my father was getting released from being in prison, from trying to kill my mother. Mm-hmm. So she was running. She would never admit that. But my mm. mother was running. So she moved us with her then Haitian boyfriend
2: mm-hmm. to
1: Haiti. Mm. So we lived in Haiti for a year. The first two or three months, um, we were getting me and my sister were getting abused by the Haitian boyfriend. Mm. Um, so his way of getting us to learn how to speak their native tongue, which was Creole. Right. was to whip us every time we got caught speaking our native tongue, which was wow. uh, English. So after the first two or three months of that abuse, my mom ended up moving us in Haiti to an abandoned garage. Uh, um, and we lived there uh, with no utilities, uh, no uh, no water. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> it it'll all come full circle in the end, but, um, having to go walk miles to get our water so that we could drink, bathe outside, mm-hmm. um, and, and, uh, cook and, and, and wash our clothes with that water. And, uh, of course I had to learn, I had to quote on man up, uh, for lack of a better term, mm. and kill <clears throat> chickens and animals in order for us to eat. Cause mom, my mom and my sister, they're scared of animals. We're city kids and people. <laughs> so but, but in order for us to eat and survive, I had to be the one to go ahead and try to kill the chicken, things of that nature. So we we did this, the Haiti stint uh, until that year was over, which um, landed us back in the U.S. But of course, we weren't going back to New Jersey mm. because that's where we were running from in the first right. place, which in turn got us to Virginia, where I am now.
0: What, why did your mom pick Virginia?
1: My grandmother um, was headed to Virginia. Uh So we ended up moving back with my grandmother, who got a place uh, so that it can accommodate all of us to live in Virginia. So Mm -hmm. my grandmother was already headed here. Uh, Mm -hmm. My mom, uh, I believe, she was born in North Carolina. So Mm -hmm. my grandmother was just heading. This uh, this way, so she she took us in here in, in Virginia.
0: Mm, wow!
1: I've been here ever since.
0: What, um, like when you when you talk about that period in your life, like what emotions come to mind looking back on that now as an adult?
1: Best thing that could have ever happened. Mm. I'm so grateful for all of my abuse and all the things that have happened to me in my life. Everything. In hindsight, equip me for who I am today. I'm I, I can't like the I, I was abused at, at four. Um mm. my baby, I, I've been through a lot of abuse. My story, like I shared mm. with you, the email. I'm like, you don't know the half of it. Uh so mm. at four, I used to get abused by my, my babysitter. And um finally it got to the point where she made me stand by this um uh this furnace until my corduroys melted to the back of my legs years old she said if i moved she was going to beat me i was tired of the beatings so i stood there until my my corduroys melted to the back of my legs so they had to get peeled off um and then from there to transition to haiti to get abused mm-hmm. there uh so it just was a lot um and then uh as crazy as this might sound at uh six years old it was a voice I didn't know what the voice was then, but I know what the voice is now. Mm-hmm. But it told me to watch your mother and do the opposite.
2: Mm.
1: And I used to watch my mom like a hawk. And my mom, she ended up doing drugs, uh, drinking, um, and and putting other people before family, uh, like me and my sisters. Um, and those were the things that I watched. And she didn't graduate from from high school. And, and I, I just kept watching my mom. And then mm-hmm. I graduated from high school. And that voice came back and said, you see where that got you? My mom didn't graduate mm-hmm. from high school.
2: Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I
1: was like, yeah. And then that same voice said, um, I want you to watch what most, pe- most people do and do the opposite now. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started doing, I watched everyone, again, like a hawk. And most people watch TV. So I stopped.
2: Mm-hmm. Most
1: people didn't like to read. So I started.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: so anything that most people did, I did the opposite, Um, and uh, again, it it allowed for me to to look, so so when you say, how did I feel, like my father and everything, the rejection, and me finally meeting him, uh, then we became best friends, and then he did what he did again, Mm. Um, the rejection from, um, again, my mom's decision making, all of those things, they equipped me to be, like, you, you can literally see how everything was orchestrated to get me where I am now, even down to my my wife, uh, meeting my wife.
0: Right. I mean, you know, I, you know, those are some really difficult things to go through. Just one, one of those things is hard mm-hmm. enough to live through and not even live through, but thrive from, but to have multiple occasions of really challenging things and then to still thrive. Like how... I'm just curious to know like how you work through those things or how maybe those things impacted you, but maybe that you grew from them or then learned from them.
1: Well, well, the first half of my life, I was a very angry,
0: Mm.
1: angry, uh, pessimistic uh, young man. I mean, it it didn't matter what you tried to say to me. I always saw the negative side of things. You could say, Oh, I can give you a scenario and you'll be like, well, uh, well, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Now I'm mm. like, then I'm like, well, dang, now a train is coming. That's how negative I was when it came to life. And um, I ended up in a um, a relationship in high school uh, mm. with this young lady. My self-esteem was terrible, horrible. Mm. And um, this young lady, I knew she was cheating on me. Um... <laughs> But her mother was the mother that I wanted, that I didn't have at home. Mm. So I stayed in that relationship for three years just so that I couldn't lose the mom that I had in her. Knowing that I was being... That's how my self-esteem was just terrible. But her mom, she was very, very kind. And Mm -hmm. um, she kind of... um, She even introduced me to the word pessimistic and taught me about optimism. So I, I started to uh, myself to look at things in an optimistic light
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: but spending 18 years of your life, um, as a pessimist, you can't lose it. Uh, mm-hmm. so I gained the optimism, which gave me balance. Uh, so I started looking at things from a optimistic point of view, um, and seeing the good that could come from it or, uh, could come from the the situation or circumstance, but I could still relate to the pessimistic side because that's who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same token, it allowed for me to look at things holistically when I made decisions because I didn't lose the pessimism, but I still, I started walking in optimism. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. I'm curious to know like, what was it about her mother in particular that was different than all the other people who were trying to have you see the silver lining or or things in a better I didn't life.
1: Have any, I didn't have any other people. Let mm. me tell you something. Uh, I, I in my household, my sisters, uh, which is it, which is why where I'm at is kind of miraculous because my entire foundation was terrible. I I used to get um, uh, teased or questioned because I wouldn't smoke weed mm. uh, and do the things that my sister and mom were doing. Um, I had to make the decision because my mom told me at 11, um, if you want toiletries and clothes and stuff, you need to figure it out, get a job or something. So I've been working since I was 11. Mm. Since we're headed into like where funding and uh, uh, cash flow and things of that nature. I've been working because I had to since I was 11. If I wanted my clothes washed. Uh, at the the actual um, laundromat or what have you to have the quarters put in, I needed to make money. And just to think about the stuff that I did to to do so now, at 11, like I literally could have been killed. Like I jumped in the back of trucks and vans to uh, deliver um, uh, um, um, flyers for pizza uh, companies (laughs) or what have you. They would just come pick up kids. Have us go into a neighborhood, they would drop us off in the neighborhood. We would uh put the actual um the flyers up on the doors, mm-hmm. then we would meet them at a specific location, drive off. Then I started doing babysitting. Um mm-hmm. and I would babysit after school and um and, and I made my money that way. So I just hustled and until I was legal to uh to actual, actually get a, a W-2, which was 16. When I was 16, I had three legal jobs. Um, when I was able to, uh, to to work, so I always had my own money, and um, but I, I and that was a blessing because it allowed for me to make decisions. I I felt like I was on my own, so I really wasn't. I didn't allow my mom's thought process and things to dictate my philosophies and decision making. So mm-hmm. at one time, I had to make a decision because I realized my contributions to uh, the rent and things of the nature were actually. Freeing up her money so that she can do coke. Uh, so I made a decision that I was not going to pay what I was going to pay, which caused us to downsize from a townhouse to an apartment. And they mm-hmm. blamed me for that. Wow. <laughs> so I had to suck it up and take it, but I wasn't going to continue to contribute to uh, the drugs and stuff that. So my foundation, I didn't have a, a uncle or dad or anyone that uh, that could shift my thought process. And when I met my dad, when I was about, uh, I think 13, uh, it was my mom, when she raised us, cause he stabbed her nine times in the back. She never, that's all we knew, but she never said anything bad about it. Mm.
2: Um,
1: and as a kid, I just, I wanted to meet who, who fathered me. Uh, so she never said anything negative about him. I just knew what it was and I wanted to meet him. And with us living in Virginia, we happened to be in the mall and we saw my oldest brother Mm. from my father's side. He had two children prior to him and my mother getting together. My mom had a daughter prior to them getting together. We saw him in the mall. He happened to be in the military in Virginia. And that's how uh, we reconnected. My, uh, my father found out about it he looked this up and he called and found us here in Virginia and my mom did not deny us uh, the ability to meet him or see him and um, I actually had to um I knew he I knew he didn't care about me. That was just <laughs> I've always been a, a a realist and I could tell he wasn't interested in me but my sister uh, is his only daughter. He was interested in this baby girl. So my sister didn't want anything to do with him. Uh, she was older than me. She didn't want anything to do with him. But I knew that the only way that he would spend time with me would be if I could get her to uh, to to spend time with him. So I convinced her, based off of my influence, to, uh, to deal with him just so that I can kind of have uh, the ability to spend time with him. With that... Um, It was strange. I could, again, I could tell he was more into his baby girl, but it allowed for me to see things that I didn't understand. Like I would do something with my thumb like this and my mom would just get upset with me and tell me, stop doing that. Never understood why. Then I saw my dad doing certain things. So I started, I had an opportunity to get access to uh, my cheat sheet for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term. Uh, so I was able to understand myself better by watching how he maneuvered and even asking him questions behind his thought process, because we shared the same thought process to, to, for, not, to, for us not to be around each other for 13 years. And then to find out we eat the same, we, we think the same. That is crazy. Uh, <laughs> DNA is crazy, um, but it made a lot of things make sense. But I also saw um, that a lot of the things that we shared, he used them. Again, from a, a, a manipulative standpoint. And though I knew I could do it, I, I just took that information, said I'm not going to use it that way. And I I just used it a different way, but I understood where it came from. So it gave me again a cheat sheet. I watched him fail and I learned to succeed through his failure.
0: Like what you I think I what I understand you saying is because your thought process is. It's the same and so similar that you knew what one path would take you down. Like if like, you're like, if I follow these instincts that I have down yes. this, like these decisions, that's the road it's going down. So let me try following these other intuitions Yeah, yeah go down the other way.
1: Yeah. No, my biggest fear was that I had the same rage as him, that he could mm-hmm. stab a woman nine times in her back. And I, and I did have a temper. And again, mm-hmm. I was already angry uh, by the time we met. Um, and, uh, my, my wife actually had to, she had to tell me, you're not like him. Stop. Like, that's not who you are. I used to cry mm. out of fear of being, uh, that, that angry. Um, uh, so I would watch him. I mean, really, really watch him and, and learn about me through him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's what I did. And then actually when he went back to, to prison the second time, that's what I was most, upset about is it. It like, he stole my cheat sheet. I watched him to avoid landmines, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, but then I actually had to just have a relationship with myself.
0: I mean, what, working. what is it that you were like looking towards or even like, I don't know, so many questions because I feel like with that background where my my mom is not around and she's not here to protect me and in terms of like her focus was elsewhere and then your father being the way he was and all these abusive people you've encountered in childhood, like I feel like, man, that's a recipe for failure or really hard life. Like how- yeah. Like, what was the first step? I mean, I'm sure it was a long journey, but like, I'm just like curious to know, like, how do you even work through any of that or find this like sense of love and belonging for yourself?
1: Well, I mean, you even said something that triggered like a thought process. Like, you got to be mindful of the the, the philosophy and, and why I had low self-esteem. Uh, for example, remember I told you I was abusing and, and the the woman made me stand in, in front of the furnace she told my mom that um, I had peed on myself and and she was just trying to get the, the clothes to dry. And my mom bought that story. She never investigated or anything. And and to, to say that out loud, I'm a boy. So if I peed on myself, the wetness would be in the front of my pants <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. Secondly, why would it be in behind my legs, behind my knees? Like you didn't even care enough for me to, to come to that conclusion to where you you said, no, you've been abusing my child. Mm-hmm. Not to mention when I was dropped off every time I would cry or I tried to act sleep uh, mm-hmm. so that I could possibly sleep through the entire visit. But she would, uh, you know, if you sleep too long, your eyes automatically come up. So they were open. Mm-hmm. And I would try to close them again. See, I saw mm-hmm. you get up and I would get a beating if I, if I tried to go to sleep. It was just terrible. Um, but um, honestly, my faith is what, what has gotten me through. My belief, that voice that I realized was God is uh, is what got me through. Um, knowing the story of uh, of Christ and believing that for myself, knowing that I am to die for, that is love. That is unconditional love. And that is honestly what anchors me and allows for me to be and see from the, the eyes that I see.
0: When, when did you discover christ
1: or christianity Uh, now see that's the again everything works my father see Mm
0: -hmm.
1: see what i'm saying he introduced me to uh to christ which unfortunately that's the reason why my mom won't uh practice christianity because it was a man who was a 15 year old ordained minister who stabbed her nine times in the back for rejecting him um uh, so she won't have anything to do with she's actually jehovah's witness now um, but my father introduced me, uh, to, to Christ. And, um, so that's actually what assisted in me getting saved. So it was, it was him. And, um, since then, and that's what my, my sister says, because even now we kind of have our, our riffs, uh, I guess you would call it, uh, between he and I, um, she said, my sister says he's upset because you've become who he was supposed to be um you've embodied who he uh he was supposed to be and he doesn't like it and I can call him out on this crap because I again it's like I, I see your thought process all the way because I am you I was you um <laughs> mentally so your stuff and your manipulative uh, actions they don't work on me <laughs> uh they, they they don't they never had so um but yeah, that is what what anchors me to know and understand that story and to read and understand the power behind love in itself. Um, so many people don't practice love because they don't realize the power. They think
2: mm-hmm. the
1: concept of love is to be weak, is to be uh, to lose control and uh, and it's it's the total opposite if you're really walking in the essence of love.
0: But how? You, I mean, when you're hearing that type of story, um, like the story of Christ, right? Like yes. if, you know, the story of Christ is that, you know, he loved you so much that he died for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And that kind of love is this unimaginable love. But in your life experience, you've, it's like, you don't, you didn't experience that. And maybe that's a lot of people who are drawn to Christianity. It's like, we haven't experienced it. Like, how do you apply that story to your life after so much, so much hardship?
1: Uh, Well, the fact that I I am here um, and the fact that every single thing that I've been through, through being the operative word is to allow for me to help persons who are going through to mm. get through. Uh, it's, it's our perspective that prevents us from being able to get through. Um, there's absolutely no way you can appreciate life without appreciating darkness. And, and what, what, with the problem, where the problem lies is when you have a problem with one, or you feel that one is better than the other. With, without Judas, there is no salvation. Mm, mm-hmm. so, so how can you be so mad at Judas when he's the one who assisted in you and your liberation from death? Um, you, I, I can't be a candle standing under the sun and believe the sun when it tells me I am the light. I have to be in a dark space to appreciate the fact that I am light. You mm-hmm. can't even know if you're good if you're not around something that's bad. Mm. so so how can I be offended with badness mm. or, uh, or 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 anger or, or what have you when it allows for me to appreciate that I'm walking in love does that make sense
0: yeah I think so oh, I think yeah. I understand what you're saying it's like it's almost like the perspective you've taken on your life and maybe processed uh the experience even childhood has been Almost like you were, like what you were saying before, you kept on saying just watch your mom, watch your dad. Like you're just observing. So it's not so much about like attaching yourself to these experiences as if they're a reflection of you per se, but you're like, this is how dark or how bad it can get. And it's like, how can I be a different way? You know, but I mean, that takes an incredible amount of, I'm sure as a child, it's hard to separate that. you know cuz it's a kid. it is
1: and, and, and that's why as an adult is the best time to do it mm. um is the best time to reflect and snatch things at the root that right. didn't make sense um so i was lucky enough to uh be able to analyze and be a student of my my frustrations and anger uh at an adult's age where I was mature enough to say, that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. for that, mm-hmm. for me to adopt that as the truth about myself, and mm-hmm. uh, not being worthy or wanted or anything. That doesn't make sense. That was their um, their issue, not my issue, um, but not many pe- people, oftentimes by the time they become an adult, they've already identified with the negative uh, thing being mm-hmm. them. And it's mm-hmm. and because they don't have the opportunity to step outside of themselves in their thought mm-hmm. process um they, they they can't pull it at the root or uh if they don't gain the wisdom to check right. or uh, dissect the whole situation or their thought process or feelings um to, to find out where they stem from that they, they will continue to walk in the negative thought process i yeah. see
0: so you were saying that when you met your ex-girlfriend's mom it seemed like that was a turning point and also like really kind of coming into this christian story like how did you see your life changing as your perspective changing maybe even what sounded like you letting your anger go in some ways like what was changing around you or within you
1: um <laughs> just possibility and even shock that uh not responding this way could get me this result <laughs> um and and also, I had a. Uh, for some reason, my friends, it's like they saw something in me. Even though we were doing bad, they would kind of shun me from whatever things past what we were doing collectively. They would not allow uh, for me to do it. And I was always um, because I saw the drugs and stuff. And again, I was I listened to that voice um, when I was offered. Drugs or what have you. It was easy for me to say no. Um, so uh, just to see the responses and, and and see how destructive those behaviors were to my family members, it, it was easy. But again, to to see how much favor I got by making those type of decisions um, that I typically wouldn't have, that caused me to continue to to go that route.
0: Wow! Wow! <laughs> I'm honestly just like just taking it all in. Like the story is. <laughs> It's it's a lot to digest, and in the, in the sense of not so much of like yes, there is the horror of the bad things, but I'm also trying to like understand like man, you must have had to process so much internally, and it's just I'm just like taking it all and taking. No, you, it you
1: do. Now. You're exactly right, and I would I would hate for us to just um, brush past that. That mm-hmm. is definitely a, a process, and. I didn't realize that it was such a necessary process until um, my my marriage just went to a dark place after year two.
0: So, so if you don't mind sharing your story about how you met your wife,
1: yes. So, um, I was going to Norfolk State University, and (laughs) there was this young lady who was always sleeping on the student union couch. and me being me, I would wake her up. And say, <laughs> hey, uh you knew you had class, like you should have planned your evening better. Uh get up. Um, and uh so I was just a worrisome guy that uh bothered her. I didn't look at her the way that I look at her now. I wasn't, I just that's just the kind of guy I was. Mm. Uh, wake up, what are you doing sleeping? Uh you knew you had to do whatever you had to do today. But then I found out that the reason why she was up late was because she was up with her son at night her baby um so then of course i left her alone but i was even more intrigued at the fact that um she had a baby and that did not deter her from continuing to pursue her uh her her goals and 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 what it is that she wanted to do in life so the fact that she was in college and she did not allow for her to um uh, her having a baby uh, at the end of her high school year to to change that, that was pretty cool to me. So from there, I would let her sleep. Uh, and then I would uh, contact her on Mother's Day and just check on her. And from that grew a friendship. And then I started pledging my fraternity and she helped me through that. And then I started seeing her in a different light. <laughs> And, and, and that friendship grew to me being attracted uh, to her and, and, and wanting to be a part of um, who she was uh, determined to become.
2: Mm. Uh, so
1: from that, six months into us being an item, um, I wanted to get married.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, six months in, I, I, was, I called my cousin and said, I'm going to propose. Um, and he said, that's kind of early. <laughs> he, said, he said, he said, do me a favor. Said, if if she's the right one, she'll be the right one in a year. she he said, if you feel the same way in a year, um, then propose. I said, okay, that's fine. I already know, but that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh so I waited for a year, and the year actually ended up being on her birthday. Uh so I proposed to her on her birthday, mm-hmm. um, June 13th. Uh I forgot what year that was, but it was June 13th, the reason why I know, because it was Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> so uh, it was like, really, you're going to propose on Friday the 13th, you know how people mm-hmm. are, with stuff like that. Um, so I, I, I proposed, and we were engaged, and then we wanted to wait till we finished college to get, to get married. Um, we were in our second year at that time, so we had about two years from oh, there. Wow. <clears throat> uh, so uh, engaged. And then I had dropped out of college. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, I dropped out of college, uh, during our engagement. I'll tell you that story. Cause it aligns with where we're headed. So, um, I'm, I'm in school in college. First of all, I was, I was surprised that I got into college. Uh, not because I wasn't, uh, smart. Honestly, I was one of those kids that, um, I never studied wouldn't even know how to tell you how to study, just (laughs) paid attention in school. And I got, uh, honor roll, um, people. It was funny because I was a class clown, always been contradictory to whatever a stereotype would ever uh, be. So I was that guy where I always joke, you never see me come home with books. Never. Uh, uh, so, um, I was a class clown and people, when the report card would come, because they knew how I acted uh, around them, I like to have fun, laugh, joke. Um, and they would say, well, what'd you get on your report card? And I'm like, you sure you want to see? it like, yeah. So I give them the report card. The first thing they do is look. Then they see the honor roll stamp. Then they'll check the name and look again. Mm-hmm. And they'll always respond. I didn't know you were smart. And I was like, say, so you thought I was dumb? Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, there's only... One alternative. What, right. Like you thought I was dumb. It was no. You're just the way that you are, and that's that was one of the things that I noticed about just the world. We have, um, it's like you have one way, and and if you think about it from the media standpoint, like that was back in Saved by the Bell times. Mm-hmm. Zach Morris, mm-hmm. you're cool. You're not smart. Mm-hmm. Screech. Very you're smart. binary. You're not, yeah, exactly. There's no, there's mm-hmm. no in between. So it didn't match what we assumed to be true. Um, so, uh, th- I say all that to say uh, it wasn't that I just college again. My my foundation we weren't talking about college and things of that nature. So by the time I got into high school, that was again that mom that said, "Well, you think what? What about going to college?" And then that was with the whole go to school, get a good education, you get that uh, great uh, whatever job. Uh, so I-, I was always working. I had a job when I was a- all throughout high school. Um, uh, so I was like, well, I want more money. So I, if I need to go to school, I guess that's, that's what you got to do. So I applied like my last, uh, three months of high school. Um, and I got to Nova State. I'm like, I got in. <laughs> uh, so they were like, yeah, you got, you got in. So I ended up going, to, uh, to, to college, Nova State University. That's how I met my wife. So then I'm going to college and I enjoyed it. I, I like to learn. Um, and around my third year, um, I was taking a business course. That's when I was introduced to Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. So I was introduced to Rich Dad Poor Dad and I read it the, the first day I got it. It's the first day I could not put that book down. I said, I have to figure out how to, 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 to make this work. How do I do it? And um, as I continued to go to school, I noticed that um, after reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, it was a series. So i read the series, (laughs) Quadrant, Mm -hmm. Uh, everything Robert Kiyosaki, Mm -hmm. I read it. I bought it and I read it. And as I'm going to continue to go to class, I'm noticing, okay, she didn't. (laughs) Because the things that she's teaching us are things uh, to do are things that he said you should never do in the other books. So I'm like, okay, she didn't further her, her reading. And then there were different things that I started noticing uh, also that just didn't match. For example, I had a, a an accounting teacher. So I always knew I was going to be successful in what I had no idea. So I went to school for finance and accounting because I my thought process was if I'm going to be successful, I need to know, I need to hire a person to do my accounting and financing, but I need to be able to go behind them to check and make sure they're not messing up my money. So that's why I went to school for finance and accounting. So as I'm going to class, my accounting teacher, he would write everything verbatim on the chalkboard, from the book to the chalkboard and read it. I'm like, I I already read, I don't need to, to read exactly like he would never move from the book. And I just found it to be strange. So not recommending anyone do this, but I, um, one day said, if I stole this book, I wonder what would happen.
2: Mm.
1: So I stole this book. Uh, <laughs> I, stole, I, stole, I stole this book and class was canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, now I said, okay, it, maybe it's a coincidence. Uh, so, uh, I put the book back and, um, I waited about a week and I said, all right, I gotta try again. I got to see if this is coincidence or not. So I stole it again and class was canceled again. Um, Every day that I didn't want to go to class for that semester, I stole his book. And every single day he canceled. And I don't know if I was more upset that he didn't get smart enough to stop putting his book in the same uh, (laughs) mailbox (laughs) or the fact that he just couldn't teach without the book, um, but it bothered me. And it also, so that was my strike one. Then I had a finance teacher who he wrote this equation on the board. And I like to understand what I'm doing. So he wrote an equation on the board and in the equation had like a negative one. I'm like, what's the negative one? He said, don't worry about it. Um, Don't worry about it, Eddie. It's not gonna be in the test. I'm like, you wrote that whole equation on the board. (laughs) I asked you a question about the equation and now don't worry about it, it's not going to be in the test. I'm like, okay, it might not be on the test, but you put it on the uh, the board. Uh, so in the event that it's on someone else's test mm-hmm. and I don't have my calculator and I need to write all this stuff, what is the negative one for? I said, don't worry about it. It's not going to be in the test. I'm that guy. I'm going, I'm still going to keep at it. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I get it. It's not going to be in the test. We, we gather that all right, Mr. Fairley, it's not going to be a test. So I was like, oh, okay. So I'll just take it as you don't know, which is okay. Uh, but just say you don't know when we can move forward. And um, that was like my strike too. So let's fast forward to get back to the business class. So now I'm watching <laughs> as we go through class, she's telling us to do things that the book said to never do. And I'm like, Okay. Some days I'm like, okay, I, I don't do that. But one thing with me, if I know what you're doing or saying could hinder someone else, I'm going to correct
2: it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: So it was just this one day she was doing an equation on the board and it had something to do with a home and she called it an asset. Um, and I was like, mm. and I saw the the students mm-hmm. nodding their head and like they're buying into this and I'm like,
2: that's I that can't what Robert lie. said. I can't, I can't like,
1: this go so i raised my hand i said um uh she said yes mr fair i said um miss richardson um i said uh i don't i you said that the 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 house in this in this problem is a is an asset and and it's not i just wanted to make sure that we uh we got clarity on that and she said uh yes it is (laughs) oh okay (laughs) so i was like i said i'm not saying that a house can't be an asset i said all I'm saying is this in this particular uh, example, it's, it's not an asset. And she said, yes, it is. And, and I said, okay. All right. Well, can I ask you a question? She said, yes. I, I said, when we first started, and you remember you made us read Rich Dad Board in. You did that. That was, that was you, you initiated that. And I thank you for it. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I said, um, you uh in the book it says that an asset is something that puts money into your pocket and a liability is something that takes money out i said in this instance in this problem what is the house doing uh for the for the person and it got silent i said well since you don't want to answer uh i said I said, well, I said if this person doesn't pay that's what i said if the person doesn't pay for the house that you're talking about uh what's going to happen in 3 months and uh, and it, it was quiet, quiet. I said, "Well, since you don't want to answer, I said mm-hmm. uh, I'll answer." Mr. Foreclosure is going to come knocking on on their door, mm-hmm. and um, and she looked me in the eye and she said that you are the student and I am the teacher. I'm right and you're wrong. I took my paper and I wrote a letter to the class. The letter right. said, um, "We are being led in the dark." By people without flashlights, and I left school.
2: Mm.
1: That was my last day of college, and um, mom and I had I think maybe fifteen and twelve credits left.
0: Just when you decided to leave, did you know what you're going to do next?
1: Oh, so yeah, so after Dad that board, I remember I said I need to figure out how to do this. Interestingly enough, I had gotten um, recruited uh, for a company called uh, Primerica. I was a district leader, Uh, so I was making fifty grand uh, (laughs) uh, when I was doing that. So that was another thing that was tough to watch people that didn't make what I made um, trying to teach me. Um, So that that was that was tough. Um, So I had I had started with Primera, so I was already thinking about like this is for the birds. This whole college thing. So it it was enough for me to transition. So I left and I was with Primera. So. That, that was kind of like my entrepreneurial transition. Robert Kiyosaki, Primerica is where I started. Now, uh, I left Primerica because I got in the good graces of the regional vice president at the time. And he got so comfortable with me that he showed me his secrets. And his secrets was he was stealing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, I am not. There's no way. So. <laughs> um, He was taking people's, he was saying that they were, uh, he would interview them like they're interviewing for a job. And while he's talking, he's say, because I'm interviewing you, I need uh, two forms of ID. I need your, your credit card and I need your license. And he's just talking, having casual conversation, writing all that information on the actual application. Then he would cover the actual application and at the bottom say, here, go ahead, sign right here and we'll let you know whatever. Take their 199 to get started. Count that as an actual recruit. Um and and I'm looking like are you serious? I'm not losing my soul to make 150,000, 250,000 a year. So I asked him for a transfer. Um and he said no. He's not transferring me anywhere. So I left <laughs> Prime America. That's how I I transitioned and I had to figure out, but, but when, when, you know, you can't unknow. Mm -hmm. So I, I, um, it was time, I I had to, it was time for me to get, uh, um, get married Mm -hmm. when that transition happened. So my marriage, my wedding is in a few months. I need to get a job, some kind of income income or what have you. So (laughs) the setup was for, us to live at her mom's house for the first thirty days of our uh, marriage until I found a place or whatever. I got a job as a telecommunications technician uh, with cost Communication, and um, and uh, I after that thirty days I found us a condo, and and we got a a condo and moved out of her mom's house after we got married. Um, from there again, you can't not know what you know. So working a job was like, oh my gosh, I am a slave and I don't like it. this is not right.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: this shouldn't be. So we got to figure out something. So um I was like, okay, well I need some more income. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I can't get back into Primary mm-hmm. I, that, that left with a, a bad taste in my mouth. Not to mention I I I can't go under someone else um with that region device. President's still around. So from there, that's when the year of marriage uh, uh happened. And then seemed like soon as the first year was over, the dark days came. <laughs> um and it, it got dark from year two to year four. We were really ready to call it quits. Why did uh, it why? get dark? I really didn't. I, I don't um honestly, actually I can't say that. Uh it was our vision of what marriage was, and also us trying to change each other to each other, mm. as opposed to uh, admiring who we married. Um, so, and and again, uh, as I started troubleshooting what caused me to respond and frustration or whatever, I've realized the insecurities and stuff that I had, and I had to sit in those and and understand that by the fourth year from mm. Me doing that—that's um, <laughs> so crazy. From me doing that, I ended up realizing that it was the counseling that I got from the quote-unquote professionals that actually contributed to our thought processes that caused us to have issues with our marriage. I literally used the the thought process and the troubleshooting techniques for, as a uh, a m- mechanic or technician in. And cost communication, because I was successful in that on our marriage without my wife
2: knowing. Mm-hmm.
1: And so it caused me to troubleshoot our marriage. Um, and then um, and, and in the process, it teaches you to uh, go where the person's problem is. It could be the phone, it could be the television, it could be data, wherever that is. You start there, check the signal, and then you start working your way back towards the plant signal to see what device or cable or what have you is causing a. Drastic change in the signal or or, or distortion, and, and fix that, and that will fix the signal and bring it back, and cause you to have a um, a good signal, and, and thus fix the problem, uh, or realize that the actual device is the problem. So I I did that with my marriage, troubleshot my marriage, and had some aha moments like, how in the world did we not realize that this was a con- contribution to the issues that we're having in our marriage right now, but when I found that, I still had to be honest with myself and say, well, have I gotten to plant light signal yet? And the answer was no. So I tr- literally had to troubleshoot when we were in a relationship. And as I troubleshot uh, the process of us being in a relationship, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is even a bigger contribution to the issues we're having here. Uh, and once I realized those problems and identified how to snatch them at the root or how uh, they were just not, they're not truths. Um, and identifying with that, that actually started us to grow as friends. But I had to ask myself again, are we at the plant-like signal? No, we weren't. So I shot when we were dating <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> how in the world did this thing uh, slip? um, from under our noses. And when I I realized that I was so intrigued by coming to that conclusion or realizing that, that I had to test that against when we were, when I was dating other women, Um, because again, I still was not at a a good signal. And sure enough, that was still the same issue, uh, that I brought to when I was dating other women. And I still, even after I came to that conclusion, I still was not at a good place. So I had to troubleshoot myself.
0: So you guys actually separate to a point where you guys were seeing other people?
1: No, not at all. No, I literally, this is a mental process.
0: Mental exercise. You're saying like what you've learned from previous oh, relationships.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I took the conclusion mm-hmm. that I, I realized from us dating mm-hmm. and I, I said, I, did I bring that to when mm-hmm. we were dating?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: when I was dating other women. And it was I like, see. I sure enough did. <laughs> and, and 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 from from that, um, I still was not at the good place, which in turn caused me to troubleshoot myself. That was all that was left mm-hmm. was me, and that's what I meant when I was talking to you earlier when I said I was at a mature enough place mm-hmm. as an adult to realize you not you having low self esteem is ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> like we're we're in the world. Like how did you believe that as your truth? Uh, she had a problem. He had a problem. Uh, that that had nothing to do. With you, that does not determine uh, your value. Uh, So from there, snatching those things at the root and becoming or finding love of self and ridding myself of the low self-esteem and the insecurities, that made me happy as an individual, Mm. which in turn allowed for me to bring that signal to my marriage and we became the best of friends. We've now been married for 16 years
2: mm-hmm,
1: um, mm-hmm. and we are best friends, uh, truly appreciative of the pandemic because it forces us to be together all the time. Uh, um, so we're not looking forward to the old normal at all uh, <laughs> because that's just, we enjoy ourselves and our house and everything. But uh, that birth um, mm-hmm. a book because as I stated, uh, I realized it was actually things that the quote unquote um, gurus or doctors or uh, the licensed persons uh, were teaching us that actually contributed to our issues. So um, after conversing with friends that were having marital issues and identifying, like, were you thinking this or is, th- is this what you're thinking or feeling? And they're like, yeah, that's exactly what is going on. Um, I wanted to share the happiness and the light that we had with the world. So I wrote a book. The book was called The Handbook for Increasing Your Relationship IQ. Of That book, it did so well that it ended up being adopted by four uh, counseling centers and churches um, as a prerequisite for their marriage counseling.
2: Mm. Um,
1: So from there, that ended up uh, turning into speaking engagements. And um, then from there, ended up transitioning into uh, board thing. game. It, 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 well, yeah, yeah. Board game. Um, but the board game stemmed from me doing coaching and counseling. So mm. as a coach and a counselor, um, I was doing well, but I felt I could do better. Mm. Um, and I realized it was four hurdles that I had to jump over in order to do better. Four hurdles was no one likes to tell their business. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, two, if they do tell you their business, they're not telling you everything. Mm. So even if you're spot on with your counseling, um, you're still off because you're you're lacking information. Right, uh, right. And, and that literally could be uh, a hindrance to their to their situation. Um, three, whenever you give one person feedback, that person is like, "I feel like I'm ganging up on, and I don't want to play anymore." Which makes the fourth thing even worse if it's the opposite sex. So if if I have if you're a coach or a counselor the opposite sex is typically subconsciously going to feel that you're going to be biased towards the same sex. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether they admit it or not, it's something that's going on in the back of their head. So if they are the first person that that, uh, gets the correction, all that did was affirm affirm their uh, their information bias or whatever you want to call it. So it just affirmed that I I knew he was going to be on your side or I knew she was going to be on your side. Mm -hmm. I don't want to play no more. I'm done. So what I did was at that time when I came to that conclusion, I took my seven years of coaching and counseling and I took off. I didn't do any more coaching and counseling. I took all of that coaching and counseling, realized that pretty much everything was the same. And I put all of that in a simulation, um, which uh, through the simulation, you play the simulation and it tells you that you have uh, uh, what, what the scenario is. It tells you how you responded and, and the counseling is embedded in this uh, situation. So if uh, I have a client that utilizes the simulation, uh, if they want me to be involved, um, I don't have to ask in their business. Uh, if uh, uh, in the end of the count of uh, the session, I can't I counsel on with the simulations thing. And I never ask if that has anything to do with them. So you can't say that I'm biased if that is something that uh, caused you the uh, problem, as well as if you're playing the simulation and you come across a card or landing space or scenario that makes you feel uncomfortable, that's you saying you have a problem, not me. And you're not going to deny what you say about yourself, but you will try to give me pushback if I say, uh, say uh it's it's you. Um any in any 12 or 10 step um process, the first step is always to realize that you have a problem. And if you have some kind of uh discomfort when you read that card, that's you saying that you have a problem. Mm. So uh from that um with me being at work, I needed. I, I concluded that I needed a. a I kind of bought into the okay, maybe I do need to get a degree, and it was free mm-hmm. for me to uh, be at Cox to go to school as long as I got to see a, a better. So this is what I did. After year one, I'm at Cox. I'm working again. Entrepreneur. I got to figure out. Remember, got to get real estate. <laughs> um. So uh, I said, okay, this is what I'll do. I'll go back to school. I'll make Cox pay for it but I get a refund check.
2: Mm.
1: So I stacked our refund checks while my friends and everyone were buying clothes and shoes, I stacked my refund check and I bought our first house. Awesome. I used the refund check to pay for our first first house. Um now I, I had a terrible credit score. Horrible credit. Score. Yeah. <laughs> Disgusting credit score. Um and so uh, initially I was like, "Hey, I need a I need a a house and they're like, you can't get a, you cannot get a house mm-hmm. with credit score. And I was like, well, yes, you can. It was like, no, you cannot get a, a a house with this credit score. And I'm like, okay, well, so you're telling me if I get cash, I can't buy a house. Mm-hmm. So if the house costs 175,000 and I have 175,000, they're not going to sell me the house. It was like, no, well, you can get it. I said, well, then you just said I can't. So if that is a way then there's got to be another way. I don't mm-hmm. care what you tell. Mm-hmm. And because I was, I guess, confident or arrogant enough to feel that way, I found loopholes mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I and I got my house mm-hmm. with. I think I, I think I had to. I got a, a, like a five eighty credit score. Mm-hmm. It was disgusting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I but I got my first house. Yeah. And uh, I was I was twenty two. Got a house at twenty two. Our uh, first house. Then I had my uncle who bought a house for my uh my grandmother. The way he bought his house, uh bought her house was he bought her a house, but it had a duplex in the back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And with the duplex, he rented out the duplex that was in the back to pay for the house. And I was yeah. like, I like that.
2: Mm-hmm. I want a
1: part of that. Um, so I started asking my uncle about questions and um and I started looking for people that were doing what I wanted and asking them, can I work for free? Yeah. No one said no. Mm. <laughs> can I work for you for free? They're like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, can I work for you for free? So this um, no idea,
0: said, so this uh, idea of like the fire movement where it's, which is financial independence, retire early. I mean, at what point does that kick in? Or do you feel like it was from that book that just kind of set the, set the trajectory? Now,
1: see, that's, that's, what's funny. It, it didn't kick into maybe two years ago. Oh this is just a consequence of doing what it is that I've been doing. Mm. And what's crazy about that is I've always said, I'm going to retire at 40. Mm. I've always said that. Did I have a plan? No, not at all. Not one not plan. But I've always said I'm going to retire at 40, never knowing how I was going to do it. So as the book was getting done, as the game and everything, it all started like, uh, as I'm making investments, um, helping people with Uh, Their business, so that I could learn how they did business, Mm -hmm. so that I could do business.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Um, That's all I did. I did stuff for free, so that I could learn. Um, And they they're feeling like that they're gaining free labor from me or what have you. But all I'm doing is gathering information Mm -hmm. uh, so that I can uh, ultimately do it myself. So I did that. Um, Then I started like bird dogging, helping people get their own investments taking a percentage off of that uh, or, uh, going into, uh, deals. But then after a while, um, real estate wasn't appealing to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the reason why is because, uh, learning the financial statement, when you add real estate to it, yes, you're using other people's money, but you still have to pay off the actual cost of the actual real estate. So I'm like, well, again, me and my crazy questions. um, <laughs> why not just create an asset and, uh, and get paid for it? And it just automatically goes into the uh, the asset column. I don't have to pay off. And, and that's when creating systems and businesses came into play. So if I create a book, that goes directly into the asset column. I did it one time and it pays forever. Uh, when I did the board game, did it one time, pays forever. So then uh, when, as soon as I started thinking like that, Um, I get a call from my wife's cousin. Um, He has created this company. First, it was actually, it was uh, some kind of special gas. And he was about to get approval for the gas from the government. And for some reason that shifted to uh, um, a molecular, true digital internet. Mm -hmm. So uh, he calls and he says, hey, I, I want to... He actually, uh, and I can see you a picture uh, if you want. He's the one through his company called Smart Tech or something like that. He's the one that actually engineered and created the ability for us to have GPS mm. on our phone. He worked for NASA. He quit NASA, did his own company, and he did that. So he contacted um, contacted us and he was like, I don't have any shares at all in, G- in GPS. All I have is a certificate. That shows that I built it, and that's it. No funds or anything. But everybody's using GPS, and he said I don't want that to ever happen to me or any of my family members again. So this is what I want. I want to make um, new millionaires with our family members. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm allowing. I'm I'm doing a, a, a round, a friends and family round, for this company, and you all will get. A dollar a share.
2: Mm-hmm. But the way
1: you're gonna do it is because um legally you all can't get into private investing based mm-hmm. off of our income or what have you. We couldn't, we couldn't, you cannot if, if you didn't have like 250000 dollars a year in income, you can't get into private, you couldn't. That's not the law now, but you couldn't at that time. So what he did was uh he had us all sign a promissory note saying that. We're giving him a loan towards his company mm-hmm. with a seven point five percent interest on the loan, with an option to convert it into a uh, dollar a share. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I immediately because I I I I got it. I, I'm like I get I understand that like you don't have an opportunity like this. So I um, my first investment was two thousand. Uh, we, mm-hmm. our wife wrote a check for two thousand, so we'll get two thousand shares. Uh, cool, but then he he gave he said friends and family. So your friends of him, and again because I got it in, I'm I've just been a generous person. I called everyone that I knew, my frat brothers, uh, friends, family, my friend, my family's friends and family. Told them to tell them, and I had a flood of people calling because the minimal amount that you get was a hundred dollars. I would say, hey. Just get a hundred dollars, you're going to be pissed mm-hmm. when and when it does go public that you only got a hundred dollars, but at least you got some skin in the game because they didn't understand. And uh, unfortunately, with my culture, uh, there's a lot of skepticism, and uh, yeah, I don't know, this sounds like a and if you're not educated, uh, you, you miss out on opportunities, and that was another thing that was hard with this process. Um, we spent so much time speaking 30. 30 minutes to an hour to try to get $100 when he could be explaining this to someone on a plane and mm-hmm. someone uh, of Caucasian descent or uh, even Asian descent will come and say, hey, I'll give you 50000 right now because they got it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just hard to just, we're doing all this for 100 mm-hmm. uh, when, when it's people that just get it that are willing yep. to just uh, gain more millions on top of their minds. Right. like, I'm trying to make new millions. That's right. not, what I'm, it's not about me getting money. I'm just trying to help. So I had a lot of people going in there. He ended up calling me after like two or three weeks and said, Hey, I, can't, there's no way I can continue to grow like this. And uh, all these people are calling saying, Hey, is Eddie who told me to call and not compensate you for this. He said, anyone from this point forward that, uh, that invests, I'm giving you 10% of that.' Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's fine. I, that's not what I, was, I was like, that's not why I was doing it. Yeah. But that that's fine. Um. So, uh, <laughs> then I started calling my finding my my people that had money or what have you, and I had them going. So uh, it was like probably two weeks later, he called me said, "So um, I have a check for ten thousand dollars, and my well, where do I wire it to?" And I was like, "No, no, 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 no. I don't want anybody's cash." Mm. pay me in shares.
2: Mm.
1: And he smiled. You can hear him smiling on the phone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He said he's smart. Mm-hmm. So, my um 2000 shares and when all the dust settled ended up being 33,000 shares um at a dollar a share. Um the company now in its private status um is approximately $33 a share. And we haven't gone public yet. Um, now, he became my mentor when I started thinking about the whole, because, um, again, Robert Kiyosaki was my my mentor indirectly prior to him. So the book, Going to the Board Game, made sense. That's what Robert Kiyosaki did. I studied his plan. I got it all set up. I finally got okay with um, receiving funding uh, or cash. And I'll explain what that means in a minute. Um, so I got my plan out and I called him. I said, Hey, I want you to mentor me, help me with my business. Uh, I have a business plan. I had it written. <laughs> and um, he said, that's fine. Uh, he sent me an NDE um, and, and we talked and I told him my business plan, mm-hmm. <laughs> $50, $50 million business plan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And after we're finished is, is silence And he said, Oh, I don't do mom and pop business plan. Mm-hmm. And he could hear me die mm-hmm. for three seconds because I just knew he was going to be wowed mm-hmm. and floored mm-hmm. uh, on the on the phone with my 50 million dollar proven business model. And um, he heard the silence and he said, oh, I'm not saying you won't make money. It's like you can make uh, 50 million. He called it out. You can make 50. Million. I never said how much uh, was Said you can make probably 50 million. He said, but um, what you've created is a utility. Um, he said, and, and, and everyone hates a utility. Um, utilities are things that you need, but you have to pay for water, your electricity, things that, that you said, why not give it to the people for free and become a billionaire? Mm-hmm. And I, I said, what? what? Like my whole mind locked. First of all, I literally, within that year and a half time span, I worked on myself to be okay with receiving money. hmm and and what I meant when I said I'll, I'll get back to that in a minute, a lot of people who are struggling to make money, they've convinced themselves that um they're afraid of failure. But nine times out of ten, they're afraid of success because they don't feel worthy of the new. Mm. <laughs> when I started digging and 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 uh checking and figuring out, I realized I didn't feel worthy to be a billionaire or a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And I was literally sabotaging my ability to make income. I gave my book away for free. Every mm-hmm. time this will help you here, as opposed to realizing that I I was, first of all, I felt like this information was given to me for free. How can I charge for it? Right, that,
0: right. That was
1: a struggle. And mm-hmm. not realizing, what well, biblically it says your gift is to make room for you. <laughs> so, uh, so it's so many different things that, we learn, or even, especially as, as, um, as in the Christian faith, um, like the, uh, the love of money, uh, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, mm-hmm. it's the love of money, which means you're idolizing.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, so
1: it's not having money is the root of all evil. it's the love of it. Um, so um, being able to decipher the difference in different scriptures and point them out. That's what I meant by, I went through a whole year of getting myself to be okay <laughs> Because the board game was going to be $199 at the time. Uh, nice margins and everything. But he was like, I did all that for him to say, no, give it to them for free and you'll become a billionaire. I'm like, wait, what? How How? how in the world do you do that? And he said, well, you have Facebook, don't you? Say, yeah. I said, yeah. He said, how much you pay for Facebook? I said, nothing. He said, but how much is Mark Zuckerberg worth? Mm-hmm. I was like, billions. He said, yeah. He said, the person with the most eyeballs wins. Mm-hmm. Period. Uh, he said, that's why for a 10, 15 second Super Bowl commercial, you're you're paying millions of dollars because right. you're in front of the most eyeballs. So that's why Mark Zuckerberg is winning. He has the most eyeball. If you provide them with a free service that allows for them to grow and succeed in their relationship right. and you're gaining eyeballs, companies are going to pay you to be in front of your eyeballs.
2: Right. That's how right. You win.
1: Um, so. My whole strategy and everything shifted, which is why my app is free and I'm growing it and evolving it now, adding a um an actual uh, in-app purchase uh, aspect to it. But that's how that shifted through mm-hmm. the mentoring of him. Um, and then as I started being in those different circles, that sent me to other circles where I learned other tricks that honestly were offensive. Mm. And what I mean by that is like um. I thought I had the audacity to ask certain questions or think things that allow for, uh, for things that happened for me, but to hear certain things, um, that I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would have never thought when I got into those different circles, um, uh, it, it was at first it, it was offensive. Like how in the world do you not know that if, if we only understood this, this is why we stay broke. This is why we can't get mm-hmm. ahead. Uh, right. So- right. <laughs> One of the first things that I uh, learned, uh, one guy was writing out a plan for me. Because what I would do, what I started doing was I started finding people who made what I uh, what I wanted to make a month.
2: Mm-hmm. If it
1: was $10,000 a month, I found a $10,000 a month person mm-hmm. and I paid them to teach me how to make $10,000. Then I outgrew them because all you make is $10,000. Can't mm-hmm. learn from you anymore. I would find someone <laughs> $25,000. Okay, thank you for teaching me how to make $25,000. I mm-hmm. find the $50,000 and I would literally go to them and pay for them to teach me how they did. That's how that's how I did it. That's that's literally my system. <laughs> I found someone who did what I wanted to do, said hey, I'll pay you if you teach me how to do what you do, and, and they did it. And with that, it sent me to different circles. And um, I remember one guy, he uh he, he drew out a plan for me, and uh based off of the plan it it, it would take like five years for me to get my, I needed five years of history. That's what it was. I needed five years of history, good history uh, in either like home, having owned homes or whatever. Um, And I was like, this is a marvelous plan. I could pull it off. I said, but it's going to take me five years for this to happen. he was like, no, you can, you can buy five years of history. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, what do you what do you mean you can buy mm-hmm. five years of history? Said people do it all the time. Th- I'm like, what people? I didn't know about yeah, like yeah. I'm angry right, that I right. didn't know. Um, but uh it is it's definitely legal to, to buy mm-hmm. personal history. It's is kind of conceptually like um if if you get a credit card and you have a spouse or even children, it's gonna say, Do you want to add a code signer to the card? So mm-hmm. when you Add that cosigner, that history goes to them. Mm-hmm. So there are really people that have great car history, uh, house history or what have you that are charging for you to be a quote unquote cosigner. You don't get access to whatever it is that they have, but you, that history in turn mm-hmm. goes to you, which in turn bumps your credit score, lowers your uh your percentage rate, just things like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas a typical person. A lay person would say, Okay, you need five years of history. I see you in five, see you in five years. Let me right. go bootstrap and get my life together so I can get this plan. And you have people that had the audacity to say, Well, I wonder if I could buy in five years. Like, who said mm-hmm. who was the first person? Right. To do <laughs> so these are the things that at first, when I learned, I was so upset. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, I, I was more intrigued, and I got into these different groups to learn more things, how to get a uh, business credit and how I could do that in 90 days. And if I could do that with just one LLC, if I needed more money, I could just create another LLC and do that right. and get right. an extension of credit under that LLC. Like It's right. like it's ridiculously easy to get money and funding to do things, but it's hard if you don't have a business. So it's it's tough to know things that I know that I can't share with people because it would only hurt them more than it would help them mm-hmm. that they have the ability to get access to funds, because if all you're going to do is buy nice rims or gold and jewelry and you're not going to create assets that are going to allow for you to pay it back. Right, uh, right. That, that's just causing more uh, problems than it is helping. So though that was the process. It was mm-hmm. it was <laughs> tough at first i I'm like, wow, how in the world, but at the same token, it, it makes sense as to why you will hear a person say something like, well, you can take all this from me in five uh-huh. years. I'll, I'll have it back. Right? <laughs> <laughs> cause, cause you can't not know what you do know.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. and I think what's Interesting about your story uh-huh. overall and in, in the overall trajectory is just like, I don't, I think you never took things as face value. It seems like you're just kind of like, let me see things objectively. Let me figure it out. Let me see for myself. All right. So Um,
1: that came from the Haiti experience. mm
0: -hmm.
1: So Haiti literally took me to a whole new world Mm -hmm. to where when I came back and I'm taught things to be the quote unquote way that they are, but I've literally Mm -hmm. seen them a different way. It made me question what you told me is true. Mm hmm. So that's what I mean by everything that happened to me allowed for me to be who I am. Yeah. Because if if you're stuck in one place, you think that that's the way that it is. But I was fortunate to be sent somewhere. Right. So far, uh, so foreign, literally Mm -hmm. that you can't tell me that things are this way or whatever. Like you're talking about uh, how in the world uh, can a person uh, eat cat or what have you. Um, but but I've been to a place where they're walking their chicken Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and who told you that eating cat is bad. And why is eating chicken good? Like where where did you get that philosophy? so, 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 uh, those things allow for me to liberate myself from being restricted to narrow minded.
0: Yeah. Which has helped propel you in your own success and even just working through a lot of the things you you went through in your
1: life. But that's the danger of education, though, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, Mm -hmm. because if you're taught school right and wrong, like I literally teach my children to be bilingual in that sense.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: um, I I, I definitely tell them, please fail, fail fast, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because we're taught. To not do that. So we don't, we wonder why we won't move, but we're taught that if we do something wrong, that's bad and I get a bad grade. Right. um mm-hmm. Not to mention, if you're taught that something is right with the grade associated with it, you will never question it because you were taught that that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So you never take the time to question whether that's right. I, I remember how upset I was when they said that Pluto wasn't a planet. I'm like, <laughs> I know I i got that wrong on some tests and yes, someone's yes. gonna get that back. Yeah. To me, but things change all the time. Right, and, and me having the audacity to question things or would allow for me to find truth in relationships, how to communicate and things of that nature, as opposed to repackaging what people are repackaging mm-hmm. and sharing as truth. But yeah.
0: That's awesome. So just to wrap things up, my last question to you is what would you tell your younger self?
1: Mm. Do it the exact same way. Really? Do it the exact same way.
0: Mm.
1: That that yeah. I'm so grateful for every mistake, every bad decision,
2: mm-hmm.
1: every bad experience. Uh the gumbo <laughs> that it is produced in my life is is priceless. It is. Absolutely, prices. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing. Keep do it exactly the same way.
0: I love it. That's a that's a great place to. That's a great place to end. Thank you for listening. To support us, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you enjoy your podcast, and share it with a friend. Special thanks to Chris Weldon for the original music and Sojin Oh for her creative designs. Thank you for joining us on Nunk Podcast.